Okay, a whole sermon series could be done about that four and a half minute clip. There's so many good things in that. And um, so even if my sermon here um, doesn't land, I hope you'll take something from that because there's so many good nuggets in that. Maybe we'll do that at some point. Just do a sermon series on that little clip from uh, Star Wars. From wikipedia.com, I'm not making that up as a real thing. Um, the force is a mysterious energy field created by life that binds the galaxy together, harnessing the power of the force. Uh, gives the Jedi, the Sith, and others sensitive to the spiritual energy extraordinary abilities, such as levitating objects, tricking minds, and seeing things before they happen. While the Force can grant users powerful abilities, it also directs their actions. And it has a will of its own, which both scholars and mystics alike have spent millennia seeking to understand. Mortis, if you want to know where the Force comes from, Mortis was an ethereal realm within the Force, which was whispered over in legends and stories passed down through the millennia by Jedi, Sith, and the average spacer alike. It was believed to have existed outside any star system and potentially the galaxy or even the universe. Some believed that the origins of the Force came from Mortis. I hope that you also saw in some of the language where it talked about the force, some of the same language that was used in scripture to talk about the movement of the spirit that connects us. As that earlier video said, the spirit was present at creation. It takes different forms, influences all different kinds of people throughout scripture. It is the presence of God with us. I'm not going to lie. The idea of the Trinity of God, Son, and Holy Spirit even with a couple of divinity degrees under my belt, it is hard to get a hold of and understand. The spirit, though, is the presence of God amongst us. We see in the story of the Israelites moving through the desert with Moses um, that the presence of God was among them, guiding them through the desert in, in a kind of a, a special cre uh, created movable sort of temple, uh, a tent that moved around the presence of God is what Moses would go up on the mountain to convene with and, and would go into this special tent that was created. And, and he would come out and he was all glowy in a way that creeped everybody out. And so they told him to even cover his face for it. Later, a special tribe would be designated as priests, the Levites, um, as the ones who would convene the presence of God and would go tell everyone else what God had said. It was a very top-down model. A limited number of people were the ones that had real connection and access to God. We see the Spirit descend on Jesus. In some of the Gospels, Jesus actually breathes on the disciples and gives them the Spirit. Scripture also says that the curtain of the Holy of Holies, this special place where these Levites would go to convene and to meet and hear from God, uh, the, the barrier to that was torn as Jesus was crucified. Here at Pentecost, though, is where the real magic happens. Jesus has finally left them on their own. Um, Acts starts with Jesus leaving again, the disciples replacing Judas, they're just going about their routine of how they organize. And then they go to the celebration of Pentecost. 
Um, this was a traditional Jewish celebration. The Jews would celebrate this um, as the celebration of the first fruits being given to God, and it was a celebration of the gift of the Ten Commandments. Dedicated Jews from all over the different regions have come to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. And then something weird happens, and, and everything changes in the way that we relate to God and that God relates to us. It's the birth of a new kind of church, a new idea, a new way of being in the world. The disciples are speaking, and everyone is hearing it in their own languages. Peter then gives a sermon, because of course Peter does. He has a crowd, he has an opportunity, and so he gives a sermon but he connects all of the teachings from um, the, through the prophets to the life of Jesus. He quotes the prophet Joel and says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your youngest men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. No longer did they need to hear from a priest or rely on them to go before God. They could do it. No longer did they just need to be around Jesus in order to feel the presence of God with them. Like the video, it's the spirit that's present in all of creation that has moved through the world since the beginning of time that's been given to the people, to all of them. Pentecost is God's version of what Yoda said. <laughs> Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. Voltaire said it first. It's been attributed to a lot of different famous people over the years. I actually thought Yoda said it. I wasn't the only one when I went to search it, but it was Voltaire who said, with great power comes great responsibility. The original Greek word for Christian is Christ, it is in Spider-Man 2, but it's actually not said by the uncle. It's just in like one of the little word boxes. I did a deep dive. It's in just one of the little word boxes um, in uh, one of the comic strips, um, but it's attributed to Uncle Ben. It is Uncle Ben, right? Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you for confirming that. <laughs> Um, I, I, I searched all the things this week. It was an interesting sermon prep. So the, the original Greek word for Christian is Christianos, which comes from two Greek words, Christ and Tian. And the word Christ means anointed. Tian means little. So the word Christian literally means little anointed ones. During his life, Jesus was called the Messiah or the anointed one. And we are his little anointed ones who have been anointed by the Holy Spirit to represent God in the world. This is the church. We are the church. We are the ones who can hear from God. We are all the ones who are, who are called to go out and invite others in. Michael said it this week when we were planning worship. Um, Pentecost is so inclusive. Everybody's in on it. The Spirit pours out on everyone and and with that comes great possibility and freedom. That's why we celebrate. When we were little, we had this thing that we would do with our hands. Um, it's, if you don't know, I had hand surgery in February, so my hands still don't do this very well. But here is the church. 
here's the steeple you open the doors and you see all the people church was taught to us to be this physical kind of place now i don't know why god chose to do the work of bringing the kingdom of god to earth through us to keep doing that work through us the search history that i mentioned earlier would say This is not a good idea. You can't trust these people with power. You can't trust them with freedom. In fact, I think that's part of the church's problem. Throughout history, we've kept trying to give back the power of the Spirit. We want some new rules to follow. We want to pay enough church staff to take over everything. Leaders feel like, in the church, feel like it's a bad idea to give people freedom, and so they take over. There is a lot of fear and shame that happens within the church. David Hayward, an artist that puts a different spin on religion, uh, said in a video, when you realize that religion's number one tool is fear, fear to get you to join, fear to get you to stay, and fear to get you to come back, then you become fearless. We try to hold too tightly to what God has given away, what God holds loosely. At the Pentecost in Acts, we see God inviting, empowering the people away from the old understanding. A relationship with God is embedded in the law. Uh, it, it is We are called to a new kind of freedom and relationship. So how is it the birth of the church if the Spirit comes down and empowers everyone? This is what the picture of the church ought to be like. We see throughout the rest of the New Testament that while the Spirit empowers each one, living as little anointed ones is not for the weak of heart. It is not designed for going alone. That is the messy part. It's just like with the force. We can't decide that the way we use the force, the way we are in the world, doesn't affect others. This morning, we're reminded that the church just isn't a building. I think that's a little easier for us because we come to a place that's not traditionally a church, but it's not just a building um, or a group of people. Church doesn't just happen here on Sunday morning. Church is who we are. We are little anointed ones, and we have the grace, the freedom, and the responsibility to act like that, to let that guide who we are in the world to bring about the kingdom, to reveal God to others in our words and actions. So if we as people are the church, then why do we get together each week? Why can't we just go it along as many do? If this is a personal kind of thing, why can't I just go it on my own? Why do I have to be a part of another group? Just like Luke Skywalker (laughs) needed Yoda and the other teachers for how to use the force. We need each other. We need allies for living in the world as little anointed ones because the world does everything in its power to try to push on us the feelings that we're never enough. We should be doing more. It will try to impose on us the belief that power is more important than people. The world will try to tell you that nothing you do matters anyway. Rachel Held Evans wrote once, When you join a church, you're just picking which hot mess is your favorite. (laughs) And I love that description of an actual church. 
The church that gathers on a Sunday morning is important because out of all the hours in a week, all the time that we spend doing other things, it's the one hour that we give to God to be reminded of who we are and whose we are so that we can go out into the world and use the Spirit for good, know how to listen to the Spirit moving in our lives. This morning, I recommit as your leader to be one who calls out the gifts amongst us, who seeks... Um, I'm sorry, I lost my place. <laughs> I got all into it. Who seeks to have a little more time in this life, to hear God speaking, to have more time to, to pay attention to how the Spirit is at work. I recommit to calling our attention together to the work of the Spirit in the world. I recommit to help you see how the Spirit is moving in your own life how you are uniquely called and gifted to be just who you are in this world. Together, we commit to being present with each other, present on Sunday mornings, present in life. We commit to a relationship. We commit to remembering that we cannot do this alone. I believe today in our culture, we've lost sight of the fact the work of the God, the work of God, the work of the Spirit, the work of the local church gathered on a Sunday morning is not just one of the many options that we have to choose from. It's not just one of the things that's available to us if we want to give our time to it, but it ought to shape how we see the world, shape how we use our gifts, shape who we are, shape how we use our time. It should be the starting point out of which everything else flows. This morning, as a response to worship, as a response to the work of God in all of our lives, as a response to the spirit that continues calling and working in our lives, we are coming together uh, for communion. It's going to look a little different today. This is a communion of celebration. Meg uh, Cooper, who is uh, away this weekend, sent me a devotion this week, uh, yesterday actually, that um, that asked what we call, uh, that remarked that what we call the Last Supper wasn't really the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. We talked about this in John, that it felt like Jesus kept popping back up, like they'd say goodbye, and here comes Jesus again. And, and each time they're eating together and sharing together, Jesus just kept showing up again and again. Author Mary Ludy wrote in the devotion that it was kind of like Jesus kept coming back, and as they shared food together, Jesus was saying, the worst thing imaginable has happened. But look at us now. Me with scars in my shining flesh. You with a hint of courage in your timid hearts. We made it through. Let's eat. We're not done yet. The story of our lives, the story of the church, the worst things imaginable happen sometimes. Yet somehow, by grace and grit, we're still here. Weary and scarred, but breathing and more or less upright, taking nourishment. We're not done yet. Not done blessing, singing, giving thanks. Not done washing feet, feeding, consoling, emptying jails. We're not done multiplying justice like bread. Not done feasting at the table of life. 
she goes on to say, it makes me wonder, when we do communion, why is it usually a last supper of dread and death? Why do we not do new suppers of relief and resilience as well? We could call them stunned snacks in a locked room or beauteous breakfasts on the beach, dazzling dinners in Emmaus, triumphant feasts of 40 days. Mary Ludy, the author of that devotion, was much better at coming up with catchy titles. I tried to come up with one for to label our communion this morning. Uh, I was unsuccessful. My creativity was gone. But this morning, we do gather as a celebration. In that original time that Jesus gathered with his disciples, Jesus took elements that were on the table that would be present because they were common. They would be present at every time the people gathered. There would be bread and wine, and so every time they broke them, they were to remember. Using those instructions to remember Jesus when things that are pres- with things that are present, this morning we're taking communion with elements that would be present at a birthday party. The bread is a piece of cupcake. The cup is some sugar-free grape Kool-Aid. <laughs> While we celebrate communion with a table, Uh, that's open to everyone, baptized or not, Baptist or not, this is your first time or you've been here since the start of Mosaic, everyone is welcome to come and take. But if for some reason you don't feel right taking communion today or you don't feel ready, don't worry or lament that you don't get a piece of cupcake. There are some cupcakes and cookies and apple slices and Kool-Aid for us to share together after worship. This morning, we invite the Spirit here to do the work that only the Spirit can do, to move as only the Spirit can go. We celebrate the gift of Jesus while we say, we made it through. Let's eat. (laughs) We're not done yet. In a moment, 